0: And three quick throw. What a catch. Samuel stays upright. Terrific catch and run. One on one with Ramsey. Can't bring him down. Samuel, highlight reel. Touchdown. Down. In the entertainment capital of the world. Her cousins back to throw on fourth and eighteen. He's given time. He wants Jefferson, climbs the ladder. Oh my goodness! It's the TC market show. and 10 from the home. Pressure, and he sacks! First one of the day, and it's Bosa who gets home. T.C. Martin. T.C. Martin. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. He is electrifying! T.C. Martin. Is this for real? Oh my
1: goodness! Can he do it twice? T.C. Martin. Can
0: you believe it? Even a little Dion strut to the end zone. 100
2: Oh my
0: gosh, here he goes. For a sprint, he's being chased by Howard. Looking behind, you can't kiss him, goodbye. Touchdown.
1: The doctor is now in, in, in.
0: Hour number two on this thunderous
1: Thursday.
0: I want to thank Steve Berline joining us on his way to South Bend, baby. What a ride that's going to be from Chicago to South Bend. Made that trip many times. Ohio State and Notre Dame. We're going to talk about that this hour as well. With our handicapper extraordinaire, Scott Spritzer Plus, Jay Schrader will join us as well as we talk a little NFL here on this Thursday. Scott Spritzer, what's happening, brother? What's going on, TC? I'm exhausted. I've been dancing, man. <laughs>
1: Well, it is September.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> September 21st, too. Remember, it's the 21st right. day of
1: September. We played it earlier. That's ago. right. Look at that. We need to play it.
0: <laughs> oh, man. All right, man. Uh, this has got to be the best college football weekend that we've seen, obviously, this year. I get that. But when we look at some of these matchups, man, we got some prime time matchups. I'm really excited for this Saturday, man. So I just kind of want to go down the list with you. And get some thoughts. And let's start with those Colorado Buffaloes. We've talked a lot about them the first three weeks of the season. And uh, a huge favorite last week. And uh, they were probably outplayed for a majority of the game. Colorado State doesn't win the game, but they cover. But now they go to Oregon. And we've seen a lot of crazy line movement on this game.
1: Well, yeah. It's funny because I was asked by uh, Adam Joseph, good friend of both of ours, on Sunday, before the lines came out, he goes, what do you make Oregon and, uh, and Colorado? And I, you know, I jumped into it. I looked. I go, well, before the Colorado State game, I would have made Oregon 17 on a neutral field. After the Colorado State game, I kind of probably make them 17 and a half, 18. And it came offshore in a couple of lower-limit places, 17 and a half, and then it just shot up like crazy. And I think in Vegas, most places opened at around 20. Uh, so now, of course, it's in it at 21. But um, listen, they keep finding ways to win. Uh, I don't know that I trust them yet as far as, you know, they're in the top 20 now, they're 19th or whatever. And the problem is for me is that most trustworthy uh, power rating sources, including my own, have the Colorado Buffaloes outside the top 50. Uh, they're anywhere on the trustworthy power ratings list of 51 to 58. So it's not a situation where the betters, the professional batters or the power rating handicappers and all that, you know, we've, we've raised them up from where they were. Obviously last year, they were like 132nd out of 133 teams. So don't want to take too much away from what Dion has done. But again, they're being overvalued uh, as far as what they've done thus far. I give them total credit to they've w- already won two more games than they did all of last year. You beat TCU. We all know now TCU is extremely overrated on defense they beat Nebraska. That game was thirteen to seven with six minutes to go in the third. And Nebraska had a quarterback who turned the ball over, you know, seventy-five times. I think if they would have had Harburg in there, who started last week for the Huskers, they would have either kept it close or won the football game. And then last, and by the way, Sanders got sacked eight times against Nebraska last week against Colorado State. He got sacked three or four more times. The, the offensive line is not good in pass protection. The defensive line is just getting crushed. I mean, Colorado State is in the lower half of the Mountain West Conference, as far as their power ratings are concerned, and probably should have won that game. They made a couple of bad moves and bad mistakes throughout the contest that cost them. So now you're going into the Eugene, Oregon. I think the best thing Colorado has going for them this week is that it's a 12:30 local time start, so the fans won't be too lubed up as they would be for, let's say, 7 p.m. local time start. And uh, I think it's a situation, though, where Oregon's going to be too tough in the trenches. The kid quarterback should Sanders. He's a future pro. He is a legitimate four- or five-star prospect at the college level. Turned down Florida State to go play for his dad uh, when his dad was at Jackson State. So it is a situation where they've got serious talent on offense. They're a little banged up. And I question how long they can keep riding this emotional high. I mean, every week is an intense Emotional battle. That's what Dion's all about. And these guys are 18 to 22 years old. I just think if this gets a little bit lopsided, like a 17 to 3 second quarter Oregon lead, I don't think Colorado's going to be able to have enough of the gas tank to come back. I think they lose the next two games, TC, but I was looking at their schedule. And even if they lose to Oregon and USC, I I do believe they got a great shot at going 6 and 6. And all praise goes to Dion. I mean, and he deserves it. But uh, yeah, this week, I just can't trust him. I'm going
0: to echo a lot of what you said here and even expand on that, uh, Scott as well. Now, you know, people, first of all, you can't really c- compare, you know, last year to this year, what Colorado was. And it's a carryover with most was, you know, most college teams, you can do that, but you can't do that with this team because none of those guys are around. I mean, you have 53 transfers. I mean, if you look at both sides of the ball, I don't know if you have a single returnee. And if you do, it's only a handful on each side, so you can't you know, look at, okay, their record was awful this year. The only thing we can do is look at what they've done this year. And I'm not talking about scoring points. And I think that's where a lot of people are falling in love with this team. Like, okay, they're three and oh, they're looking at the W's. They're looking at the wins that they got and they're looking at okay, their, their offense is electric. They scored a lot of points. Okay. But yeah, who have they done that against? What type of defenses? The only thing you can judge Colorado on, you did a perfect job of that. Okay. What have they done? Uh, this season against the opponents. All right. Mm -hmm. Nebraska, they were out, they were outplayed for certain parts of that game. Colorado. Exactly. And you can make the exact same thing as much as they were outplayed against Nebraska. Colorado State was, it was even more evident in our eyes that Colorado State outplayed, uh, Colorado. And I think, yeah, they're running into a buzzsaw there. They can't continue this up week in and week out. And people are going, how in the world can they be a three-touchdown underdog? Well, if you listen to what we're talking about here, you can see that. This game really has like 55 to 17 or 55 maybe to 23 written all over it. At least that's what I think.
1: Yeah, I I can't disagree. I think Oregon, you know, gets close to 50, maybe goes over by a few points. And I think Colorado's going to have a rough time scoring more than 24 The biggest problem for me with Colorado is just that offensive line and the defensive line. Dion's done a great job at turning this program around. We know that. 70-some-odd players different from what we saw last year on this team. So you're right, it's not the same football team. It's not the same mentality. They're obviously being uh, coached up this year. They weren't last year. Uh, But as far as the trenches, that's what they're missing. That's the the problem or the, the spots that they have not been able yet to raise to the level of their quarterback or their skill position players or their corners on defense, which are pretty good, although they just lost their best defensive player, it looks like, for the season in last week's loss. So, I, I, you know, listen, the bottom line is is that – I think they they end up getting boat raced by Oregon. I I think eventually Oregon pulls away. They're going to have a real rough time against USC. And I guess, you know, if they can play these teams right down to the wire and even win one, then we'll change our tune. And all of a sudden, those power ratings will start getting adjusted up. But with the way they've won against the teams they've won, it's just too tough right now to put them in your top 40 your top 45 as far as the power ratings are concerned. So. You know, for me, it would be Oregon or nothing in this game. I do a show on Wednesday nights back in Big Ten country, and the, the one of the people that I do the show with, his name is Rob Zateshka, and he's a former – he was a Nebraska offensive lineman when they won three out of four national titles in the 90s, and he played for the New York Giants for five or six years. And I was asking him about, you know, did you guys talk about winning like this? You know, when you were in college, he goes, we didn't – he goes, I don't ever remember ever anybody in practice uttering the word win. He goes, We were just told by Tom Osborne, here's what your assignments are in practice. If you do these and do these right, you know, then you will play well every Saturday. It was very John Wooden esque. Mm-hmm. We're going to worry about us. And if we worry about us, we know we're going to take care of business. And he was saying, you know, because I asked him about like sandwich spots and, you know, teams having letdowns. And he goes, With the way Dion, and he's a Dion fan, but he goes, With the way Dion uh, goes crazy coaching this team, making everything, you know, it's personal which, by the way, he's filed for a trademark on that now. It's personal. (laughs) But when he does all that stuff, he goes, this could lead to a real bad flat spot. Yep. Coming up soon yep. for the Colorado Buffaloes because it's so much emotion mm-hmm. and not exactly what's happening on the field when they win these games.
0: No, agree. Agree. And I think the 12 30 start actually it favors Oregon. And, you know, for Colorado, again, it's like, um, you know, you're basically going to lose a day here, you're going to get up early. And I just, you can't match that emotion, especially against a rivalry uh, that they had, you know, last weekend, late Saturday night. No, I think they come and, up and flat. by
1: the way, I. I agree with you on losing half a day or whatever, but I'm talking about the fans, man. I'm all for the fans. How no. Are they going to get ultra lubed by 12:30? <laughs> <laughs> you know, those Duck fans, uh Scott, they they're, they're going to be fine. Don't
0: worry about it, you know? They they they're, they're, they're going to be okay. Um Ohio State and Notre Dame. I think this is very very intriguing because I think most people think, okay, Ohio State, this is the same Ohio State team we've seen year in and year out and they just have a big uh you know, advantage when it comes to the talent, uh, uh, part of it here. And even though these two teams played last year as Marcus Freeman's, you know, first year, um, this Notre Dame team has definitely, um, you know, cut the gap between these two. And again, now we're seeing Ryan Day in his fifth year. He is not the same recruiter that, um, Urban Meyer was. And this Notre Dame situation is getting better and better as they get further away from Brian Kelly. Uh the line is only three here, and I know some people were thinking like, oh, wait a minute, this you know Ohio State's still gonna roll here again. I say a little buyer beware here. I think we're gonna have ourselves a fantastic game here. If Notre Dame has ever had a shot, they got a shot Saturday
1: night. Okay, I'm gonna maybe maybe I'm reading too much into Ohio State and Ryan Day. And you can certainly tell me if you think I'm thinking about this way too much reading between the lines when I'm done here. Before the season began, about a month before the season began, Ryan Day started complaining about when the Michigan-Ohio State game falls every season. He started almost whining about why, you know, we shouldn't make this such a big deal at the end of the year. This should be like in October. Play tonight, you know, I'm sorry, that to me uh, says I'm scared as hell of what's coming this season for Ryan Day. And I know he's under a lot of pressure. So I, I thought of it that way. I, If you want to see the drop-off from Ohio State from one year to the next, they were a 17-point favorite in this matchup last year. I know there's certain personnel that's changed, but a two-touchdown difference among top 25 opponents. That's crazy, even if there is some turnover. Notre Dame is a 17-point dog last year, led 10-7 to at halftime. 10 to 7 in the final seconds of the third quarter. The Buckeyes go up 14 to 10. And with about four and a half minutes to go, they get that final touchdown to win 21 to 10 and not cover the spread. The Notre Dame fighting Irish got the cover. Now, last year I thought Notre Dame was a bit outclassed at quarterback. CJ Stroud though is now playing on Sundays, no longer with the Buckeyes. I think the big quarterback advantage this year in this game is Sam Hartman over Kyle McCord. And I'm not ripping McCord too much, but his instincts look a little shaky at quarterback while Sam Hartman is just a beast. We knew that at Wake. He's now got 13 touchdown passes, no picks so far this season. And I think the Ohio State defense is fine. I think it's solid. I don't believe in this offense right now. And again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think Ryan Day is feeling some serious heat. I don't believe this team is where it was, this program, two years ago, let's say. And again, when you start saying whining about the Michigan series, we want to hear, if you're an Ohio State fan or a Michigan fan, we want to hear Jim Trussell going, yeah, we're going to beat Michigan, we're going to beat them every year I'm here. We want to hear Urban Meyer saying that. We want to hear Jim Harbaugh doing what he does. Yeah, we're going to beat the Buckeyes this year. Of course we are. We don't want to hear, uh, it's late in the season, it should be in the middle of the year. We make too much of it. So. I don't know. I might be reading. Here's what's going to happen. Ryan Day loses to Notre Dame. Ohio State loses to Notre Dame. They lose to Michigan. He's shown the door, and Columbus makes a huge offer to Deion Sanders before he can take a job in the SEC. There's my prediction.
0: There it is. Um, Wow. Uh, No, we're saying the same thing. Again, I think Ohio State is – uh overvalued at this point in time. And again, I'm not a Ryan Day fan, like I said. He's not the recruiter. So uh the talent level is is not as it was, you know, five, six, seven years ago or his first few seasons, because again, he was coaching Urban Meyer's kids. But uh Notre Dame just has a different belief. And again, this is something that the these fans you talk about lubed up. I mean, they are going to be ready to go because <laughs> they feel for the first time since nineteen thirty six that hey, they are the better team uh than Ohio State. And they could beat so maybe there's some value, even though it's only three points that uh, the Irish have some value at home.
1: What, but. what What are you saying about Notre Dame? I mean, I was raised Catholic. We don't party. We don't drink. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, right? Exactly.
0: Hey, every every priest that I know, he's always has has a glass of wine or a bottle of wine with him. Uh, just saying. Just saying. You know, that's all I'm saying. All right, man. Uh Florida State and Clemson. Uh Clemson. This is a team or Dabo Sweeney that it just seems like he refuses to use the transfer portal where everybody else is kind of bypassing Dabo here. And I think this is a, a big litmus test for this Clemson team this year, Scott, but the program as well too. And, uh, we will see if Clemson can get this back together. But I mean, if we, if we're charting this team in and you're looking at your little graph there, I mean, this team is sliding down from the beginning of the last season to where they are right now. I would love to see Clemson win this game. I would love to play Clemson in this game. But, uh, you know, again, I'm not a big Jordan Travis fan. I think Florida State actually comes back down to earth this week. But uh, if Clemson doesn't, then this is a long-term problem. This,
1: this looks like the right time to back Clemson when folks are jumping ship. But one thing about Dabo, you know, it's funny because you'll hear all the time when a coach maybe you know drops off as far as win totals in a season from maybe a couple seasons ago. Maybe his team's not playing for a a playoff spot like they always had before the last couple of seasons. So you start hearing, you know, oh, the game's passed him by. I don't think the game has passed Dabo by in the way we normally talk about it. I think his stubbornness has allowed him to let the game pass him by because he's got to start going into the transfer portal. And he's been anti-transfer portal thus far. He's got a couple this year, but you know, he came out and said, Hey, we're homegrown. We're Clemson, you know, great. But you know what? You're going to fall. You're going to fall down to instead of being a team playing for a playoff position, you're going to fall into the second 10 in the top 20, probably on a perennial basis. If you don't change things up a bit. So his stubbornness has allowed this to happen. It's not been all of a sudden he doesn't know how to do X's and O's and and make adjustments throughout a game. It's just, (laughs) I really believe it. The fact that he's kind of stubborn, uh, Listen, I think he makes changes this coming up offseason because I think he's going to have to. I, I have a very small lean on uh, the Clemson Tigers in this game, a very small lean. I'm not going to bet it. I did bet Notre Dame uh, just to let you know, so don't, don't sound like a pass in every game here. But it's just a lean because I'm not sure that they can hold up with the players they currently have. Against a team with the talent that Florida State has. And I'm not saying Florida State's going to go out and beat Georgia in a national title, but I think they're at least equal with Clemson when it comes to starting uh, the starting roster as far as the talent level is concerned.
0: All right. Old Miss in Alabama. Uh, every time we get, Lane Kiffin against Nick Saban, man, it's, uh, it is interesting. <laughs> There's no doubt about it, but we know that Alabama's got some problems, especially at quarterback. Milro is going to go back and, 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 get the, the chance there. I think Alabama can move the ball against an old Miss defense that obviously is susceptible, but can the Bama defense stop what Lane Kiffin has under Isley? Because we know they are still explosive offensively.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's funny about this game because that line has dropped now down to six and a half in most books. And I saw last night and early this morning, I haven't checked in a couple of hours, but about 60% of the tickets at that point were on Ole Miss, uh, plus the points. And this is just kind of like Clemson, where it almost feels like everybody's jumping ship and maybe this is the point that you jump in on Alabama. I will say this, they dropped out of the top 10 for the first time since you and I were you know, in middle school or whatever uh, this past week at EAP. But everybody's power ratings, including mine, still has Alabama ranked ninth or tenth. They've got Ole Miss around 15th. Uh, my power ratings actually make Bama about a four-and-a-half-point neutral site favorite. That's without adding in home field advantage. And having said all of that, the one reason I don't think Alabama's offense is going to cut loose this week, and one strong reason is because Pete Golding is now the Ole Miss uh, defensive coordinator. And he spent the last five years with Nick Saban. He was their D.C. at Alabama. So with this quarterback situation that Bama has, which is a couple notches below what we've seen over the last decade, it makes me think they're not going to do anything that Pete Golding isn't ready for at his defense. I don't think they're going to surprise him. On the flip side, it, the one thing that bothers me about Ole Miss, and the reason I can't jump in here, is their offense is all quarterback Joe Dart. I mean – Everything they do, he gets the most carries when it comes to running the football. He's run for the most yardage on the team. There are only two players on this Ole Miss team that have more than 14 carries over three games. That's the running back, Quenshawn Judkins, and the quarterback, Joe Dart. And Judkins averages just over three yards per carry. Dart averages almost seven yards per carry. When you got a Nick Saban coach team and the defensive coaches that will be coaching this game for Alabama, it's going to be a situation where they're going to know, we got to shut down Joe Dart. It's almost as simple as that. So you've got basically a single guy on offense for Ole Miss, who has to do everything, going up against a hungry Alabama team, that's what scares me off back in Ole Miss, and I lean Alabama.
0: I agree with you. Well said with the quarterback Joe Dart situation. Yeah, When your quarterback is your leading rusher, especially against a strong defense, especially a hungry defense that really needs to show up this week. Uh, I'm back in Alabama, like I said, late the 6.5 with Alabama. Final college game, Scott, quick take. It's in the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 has looked rock solid so far. Uh, UCLA and Utah.
1: Yeah, I love the Pac-12, by the way. Um <laughs> I think it's too. a situation w- – well, I should say I love the future Big 12 and – I mean, uh, Big 10 and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh The Pac-2, Oregon State, Washington State, another big game this week. Yeah. But anyway – and, and both uh, those guys are playing great, too. You know, oh, everyone's uh, playing you know, great. <laughs> those are two excellent teams that can hang with anybody in the country as far as I'm concerned, uh, Oregon State and Wazoo. As far as UCLA and Utah, that number of Utah lay in six here, Um I was at the Circa on Sunday afternoon, T.C., And the Lions came out, and Utah was a four-point favorite. They're now up to six. Of course, Cam Rising is now expected to play, and it's an immediate shot of the arm when he's expected to play for this team. It's been a lackluster Utah, Utah offense thus far. But I'm a fan of underdogs that run for 200 yards or more per game and hold their opponents to less than 100 yards per game. And usually I don't really get involved with those until October when you got a few more teams playing conference games, playing teams at their level. But that would lean towards UCLA here. They average well over 200 yards rushing. Uh, They hold their opponents to about 85 yards rushing. And I think they hang that number. I mean, I thought four was a fair number. I think six just a little bit too big. Uh, if you want to lay it with Utah on this one, you missed year four, you know, a few days ago.
0: Right. All right. To the NFL side, uh, we'll get Scott's best uh, bets uh, tomorrow, along with his three best college plays. Uh, guess before, if you want to give us one, uh, doesn't matter if, if the ones you're going to give us tomorrow or something else that you're eyeing, Scott, on the college side, and then give us one or two on the NFL side.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. First of all, let's go to the NFL. And, you know, it's the the Patriots laying two and a half over the Jets, and that Jets offense obviously a disaster thus far. Uh, listen, I was fortunate to get a win with him in week one on Monday night. Thank you very much, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. for the mistakes you made. I got the win because of him. Uh, Zach Wilson finished last week with a 38.1 rating. And the fact is that this team doesn't have a good offensive line. Uh, they don't run block well. They don't pass block well. And then you've got Zach Wilson, who's going to be your quarterback behind that line. Uh, and as far as New England is concerned, they still play strong defense. 14-0 and straight up, 11-3 and against the spread in the last 14 against the Jets. They've won the last four meetings. New England has by a combined score of one eleven to thirty nine. It's basically twenty eight to ten. I like the Patriots minus two and a half there. And as far as college is concerned, boy, I've got a few. But let's go with uh, Louisville laying thirteen and a half to Boston College. Might have to lay fourteen at this point. It's been going up a little bit. That game goes at twelve thirty Pacific on Saturday. A nice revenge spot. The reason BC was able to knock off Louisville last year was because of Phil Yurkovich, who now. Uh, plays quarterback for the Pitt Panthers, a transfer. He was 18 for 21 in that game. Uh, If you look at what BC's done, they lose to Northern Illinois in overtime. They beat Holy Cross by three. They got out gained by both of those teams. They're down 31 to 10 last week. Florida State takes the foot off the gas, looking ahead to the Clemson game. And the bottom line is, is I don't think this offense for BC is going to be able to keep up. Louisville's churning out over 530 yards per game balanced attack, they run well, they pass well, they've got a little revenge on their mind and how about this, Louisville was a 13.5 point road favorite last year, they're a 13.5 point home favorite this year I think Louisville's better this year than last year. I think BC was better last year than this year. I like Louisville laying the points up to 14.
0: and I remember that game uh, last year, and I think I was on the wrong side of that game last year, the Louisville-Boston College game. So a little revenge there, and that's going to mean something uh, to the Cardinals. No question. All right, Scott, we got a game tonight. It's the Niners and the Giants, and the Giants are coming off a, a big high. But as I talked about earlier, uh, Giants uh, – only team in the last 45 years that gave up 60 points to start a season before they scored their very first point. (laughs) And think about that. We know they got shell, uh, shellacked by the Cowboys 40 to nothing in week one. And then they fell behind 20 to nothing to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, in Arizona last week. And then it was 28 to seven and the Giants came rallying back. Arizona made all kinds of mistakes and it was just, uh, it was a nice performance by the Giants in the second half. But again, it was the Arizona Cardinals as well, too, were really a, a void of any type of offensive production. And now three days later, now granted, they didn't go, go home. They stayed on the West Coast. I get that, but now you're facing this forty nine er team who is uh, clicking on all cylinders, and uh, the number is ten and a half. I understand that, but I just do not see this being a good spot for the New York Giants. What about you? I,
1: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lay it. I'm not gonna take it either. I, I think maybe the under is the way to go here, and you can see that number sitting basically at forty three and a half as we speak. And I'm just punching up Westgate numbers. You know, it was once forty five and a half. It's now forty three and a half couple of books in town it at 43, uh, but I, I, I was one of those who liked the under when it was 45 and a half. I still think it goes there. I think the San Francisco 49ers will be able to run the football all day long and move that clock. The Giants don't have Saquon Barkley anymore, but they're going to need to establish some type of running game. Otherwise, Danny Dimes, he's going to be under constant pressure from this incredible uh, Niners defense. And, you know, it's funny because I was doing a show last week, and one of the guys on the show, he said it perfectly. He goes, nothing against Brock Purdy. He goes, but the San Francisco 49ers, their other 21 starters, easily the best in the NFL right now. And I totally agree with that. Brock Purdy is more than a game manager, but that's all he's got to do. And I don't want to take too much away from him. I don't think that they're going to get over that hump, but I don't want to bet against him. I do believe the under is going to come in. I think you're going to see a game that lands, you know, probably right around 39 or 40. I, I think San Francisco ends, ends up winning the game at maybe like 24 to, to 14 in that neighborhood. So right around the number just had to be a pass for me at that big price. Can't blame anybody for backing San Francisco tonight. And real quick note, the Giants beat me twice last week, and I'll tell you how. I've got them under eight and a half wins. That was my biggest NFL future this year, and I like it. But I'm sitting there with the Giants minus four against hapless Arizona, and I thought, all right, I'm down 20 to nothing. Obviously, I'm. Good. this is great for my futures ticket because before the season when I made the bet, I had them winning this game and being one and one. So this is great. They're going to be 0-2. Unfortunately, I'm going to lose a small bet on the Giants minus four. So what do these doinks do? They come back and they win by three. So they go one and one instead of 0 and 2, and I don't get... The cover with a four point spread. Not happy at all last Sunday with the New York Giants.
0: Oh no, I, I hear you. <laughs> uh, I thought they would they would show up that they would bounce back because you know a firm believer of these teams that are, are semi decent. They're not going to be as bad as what they they showed one week, and you know and they're not going to be that bad. Uh, you know again for two weeks in a row. Thought that with Pittsburgh. Thought that with. Uh, um, the Giants, and I kind of thought that was, was Cincinnati, but that really didn't hold true, but uh, I'm with you. That was, you know, I, I thought, okay, going to get home, going to get home with the Giants, and uh, you know, they started just a little bit too late there. So, yeah.
1: It... I do like Cincy to bounce back this week, TC, and the cool thing is, is that line's three, and it would have been, you know, seven-ish with Burrow. He still might play, and if he doesn't, their backup has been with the team for two years, knows the system, but imagine you get Joe Burrow as a starter on Monday, laying three points. If you jump on it down. you know you're you're basically beating the book out of four and a half points there.
0: All right, Scott, we're going to leave you with this because you know you are a music guy, and we started you know you know talking about Earth, Wind and Fire in September on this twenty first day of September. Uh, I don't know if you heard the news today, but uh, Trayvon Diggs, the Cowboys cornerback, uh, got hurt in practice uh, mm-hmm. today and uh, probably going to be out for for the season. Well, it turns out that Trayvon Diggs had planned to go to the Beyonce concert tonight at AT&T Stadium. Now, <laughs> Diggs turned 25 years old yesterday, was his birthday, and he bought a suit to celebrate his birthday. He had a silver outfit prepared to wear. He was all set to go to go see Beyonce. He can't go now.
1: Uh, it's Beyonce's fault, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a bummer. I
0: know. And, uh, and on a serious note, though, I but, did
1: see that right before I got on them with you. I, I happened to just look up at the TV and I see breaking news, yeah. you know, that he's out for the season. Yep. That's a, yep. a big hit for Dallas, no yep. doubt.
0: Torn ACL. And, you know, this is one of these things where it happens in practice. Yep. And you know what that means? We've seen it year after year now with, with preseason and, you know, you don't want your stars playing. Heck, you don't want anybody playing because you're so afraid of injuries. And what do we see? We see the production go down. We see more injuries the first few weeks of the season because these guys aren't playing. And I point to Josh Jacobs. I mean, here's the guy that led the NFL last year, 1,600 yards, and he just wants to hold out. And what? Yep. Josh Jacobs has what, uh let's see, 28 carries on 46 yards.
1: Uh, And we see it year after year after year. And we're seeing more injuries. And- I'll give you a quick example at the college level, TC. I, t- I completely agree with you. Scott Frost at Nebraska didn't believe in tackling and practice. I'm not kidding you. I remember He yeah. he did not allow practicing, I mean tackling and practice. They didn't tackle in the spring game, in any of the spring games, that he was there, and they did not know how to tackle during the course of the season. They were horrible. They bring in Tony White out of Syracuse. They're one of the top defenses in college football thus far. They had the most sacks in college football. Uh they allowed like one and a half yards per carry. Guess what Matt Rule and Tony White did when he came to Nebraska? There are no more softies out here. You're not wearing a green jersey if you're a quarterback. You're going out there and you're playing football. And now you're seeing the same thing in the NFL, and you're absolutely right. And I agree with you 100% across the board.
0: All right. All right, Scott, we appreciate the time, as always, my friend. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing your best bets uh, tomorrow. Good luck. And go to subscribe to uh, Scott's plays at docsports.com. Of course, docsports.com, legendary in the handicapping business. And of Scott, the legendary handicapper. Glad to have him on this show and have for many, many years. Uh, great stuff. Doesn't matter the sport. Go get it. And I'm sure you got some baseball plays as well, too. People can go check that out at docsports.com. Appreciate it, TC. Good luck this week, man. You got it, you too, brother. All right, there he is, Scott Spritzer. When we come back, we'll go from one quarterback to the other quarterback. We hear from Steve Berlein in our number one, Jay Schrader next. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, TC Martin. Raiders and the Steelers. The Raiders' home opener is coming up at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday night. And if you don't want to deal with the tailgate outside at Allegiant Stadium – with the elements whether it's the heat the wind we got it for you our good friends of slice of vegas get on over there and they are having the indoor tailgate party located in the mandalay bay shops between mandalay bay and the luxor 75 all you can eat buffet and the buffet is fantastic there Everywhere from pizzas to the chicken fingers to the sliders, uh, it's fantastic stuff there. And here's the best part, it's all you can drink, beer, wine, and also well drinks. All of that is included for only $75. Now this will kick off at 2 o'clock at Slice of Vegas inside the Mandalay Bay Shops. Okay, You can't miss it, Slice of Vegas, fantastic Italian food. Uh, pizza and it's in the marquee room. So you've got the whole room to yourself there. And, uh, it is a short walk, 10 to 15 minute walk to, uh, Allegiant Stadium over the Hacienda Bridge there. So again, get your tailgate on and, uh, make sure you get over there, but call and make those reservations because you've got to call slice of Vegas to make your reservations. It is a first come, first serve situation there. So. Make sure that you uh, get involved with that. Check it all out. Our good friend Slice of Vegas, uh, Scott, and Brian and the gang do a fantastic, fantastic job there. Okay. Um, and you know who knows all about Slice of Vegas? Our good friend Jay Schrader. Because last time him and I were there, we were doing the show, and I can't remember, Jay, was at three or four trips to the buffet you had for the WNBA draft party? <laughs>
2: No, that was you going back for more chicken wings. <laughs> Man, that was you, good, too. You obviously are confused. <laughs> yeah, it was you, you going back for three or four rounds of chicken wings, you know. Nothing new there. Wait a minute. Are you sure that wasn't Marco? I remember Marco. Like, no, he, he had like two no, and three plates. You no, remember, that? remember that? Because no, if I remember Marco sitting at the table watching you go back and forth. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, we just got we just got done with the show, man. I mean, you know, we work up quite an appetite there. There's a lot of talking going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But, you know, it's all good, man. Uh, so let me give this number out, okay? 702-632-6470. 702-632-6470. Make your reservations today for Sunday at Slice of Vegas, the indoor tailgate party for Raiders and the Steelers. Okay, man. There you go. All right, so what what are your plans on Sunday, man? What are you doing? I'll be at the game. Oh, perfect. I will be at the game. All right, man. Let's say you're going to be in one of those uh, sweet suite, uh, alumni suites.
2: I will be in the alumni suites. So I'll go be visiting the other suites uh, during the first half and everything. Then I'll settle in and watch the the second half of the game. So, yes, I will be there You know, making my rounds. You know what I do. I I, love it. I go around. I I pretend I'm mayor for a while, you know, (laughs) shake hands. Mayor Mayor Jay, I love
0: that. All right, man, let's talk about the Raiders uh, coming into this game. Obviously, last week in Buffalo, uh, it was sad. I mean, outside of the, you know, after their second possession and went downhill for them, Jay, they only had the possession of the football for 19 minutes and 56 seconds. You're not going to win many football games with that. I think mean, we're having some problems with, uh, with with Jay there on your phone. I don't know where you're at, my friend, but uh, you're breaking up a little bit there.
2: Oh, well, I'm there you go. You're... Outside, I'm I'm getting ready to go. You ready to go watch the JV team? Uh, saying you know the Raiders, they've got they've got to find a way to get Jacobs and then go on. That's that's when they can utilize him. You know, running the football and then play action off of it. Josh Jacobs, 28 carries, 46
0: yards. We know he missed all of training camp with a contract holdout. You know, you miss you miss time. You miss the chemistry. You miss the timing and all that kind of stuff. I, I get all that. But is this just that, Jay, or is it something more with not only, you know, him being able to run the football, but the Raiders in
2: general? Well, I mean – you probably watched the game. Did you see anywhere to run? There wasn't a whole lot of gaping holes anywhere right. uh, for him to actually get started. Uh, I don't think he ever got to the second level, um, you know, to really get started. So they've got to shore up some things on that offensive line. they got to get some push up front uh, to make that thing work so they can get him loose. But they'll figure it out. You know, hopefully they can get it. It's going to be a tough task against the Steeler defense, that's for sure.
0: Tell me what you've seen so far. It's only two games, but I know you watched them a little bit in the preseason too,
2: Jimmy Garoppolo at the
0: quarterback position.
2: Well, I mean, overall, it's not just Jimmy. I just think that it's consistent. You know, we've seen some flash this is you know, the next series you look out there and what is that? Um very consistent all the way around as a team. So uh, they've got to find a way to to play at a higher level for longer or else it's going to be an extremely long season. That's for sure. Mm.
0: Raiders open against the Steelers. We know all about uh, the history and the rivalry. You know that firsthand, my friend. And, uh, you know, this is one of those I think really good rivalries for the NFL always has been, Uh, even though those two teams, especially you go back to the 70s and even the 80s, those teams just butted heads. But, you know, it was never really dirty, and there was never really this animosity, even though, you know, the Raiders feel they got screwed with the immaculate reception and all that kind of thing. But just speak to that. Being a former Raider and, you know, what these two franchises, you know, the Rooneys and the Davises, uh, have, have carried on for such a long time. Talk about what it was like being part of that rivalry.
2: Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, look, these two franchises. You have the Rooney's and the Davises, Two owners been there throughout it all. Okay, so you start there. Um, two guys that actually were very, you know, intuitive and in the NFL game all the way through. One thing you need to play in the Steelers-Raiders game, it's going to be a physical football game. It's old school, you know, line up. We're going to hit you in the mouth. You're going to hit us in the mouth. Who's going to be standing at the end of the day? There's not going to be a whole lot of prettiness about it, but it's going to be smash-mouth football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to stand in there and grind this out and am Sometimes they don't, but how we away it win?
0: Yeah, all right. Jay Schrader uh, joins us now. I know that uh, again. We we talked about this actually on the show. You have uh, you know. And taking a job as an athletic director, doing a fantastic job with that. Uh, you got a nice little football program. I remember you telling me a couple of weeks ago that you were going down to San Diego, man, uh, with, with your team. Tell me how that trip went. Did you bring home a W? And more yeah. importantly, did, did, did you get did you get to to Coronado? Did you get to any of our
2: food spots over there? <laughs> Ah, see that's all you really want to know is that I get to the food. It's true. Uh, we did we did go we did go down. We uh, made a trip down last Saturday. We played Hoover High School, uh probably the oldest high school in San Diego. Uh down there we came away with a nice W, 35 to 8. Woo! Uh so that was nice and then uh I got a chance to go see my son and daughter-in-law and four grandkids and and have some good Mexican food. I didn't get over to Coronado, but you, you and I both know there's plenty of good places to get Mexican food. We were in the East County. We went to, you know, one of the best places out there, a little hole in the wall called La Posta, and just, you know, you just go for it, right? Oh, it's, awesome. it's Mexican food, and you just go. Love it, man. Love it.
0: And Seriously, man, I mean, tell people about what you're doing in your school out there. You guys got a, a, a budding football program uh, where you're at as well, too, so tell our listeners about that.
2: Yeah, I'm at Lake Mead Christian Academy. I took over as the athletic director and, uh, they have a fantastic sports program. Uh, the football team uh, is doing very well. They're three and one. They lost. The La Jolla Country Day out of San Diego that's been lost. Uh, they're one of the favorites to win the 2A state championship. Um, so it, they've got a really good program, but we also have five or six other teams that'll be uh, bidding for state championships too. So even though it's a small school, we got some athletes and uh, they do, we got great coaching staffs all the way around and it's just a lot of fun.
0: All right. Good deal, man.
2: What do you think is gonna
0: happen Sunday, man? give, give me a prediction. What what's gonna happen with the Raiders and the Steelers?
2: Uh 17 Ooh, 17 home- And you're taking I don't a- think it's gonna be a I don't think it's gonna be a high scoring game and uh you know, I may get fired for this, but I think Steelers, you know, you're gonna go there. You've been there before. How many Steelers fans are gonna be over there? It's gonna be crazy.
0: I, I may even say that it eclipses the 50% mark. You know, I hate to say yeah, that. I'm,
2: you know, right. conservatively. Well, you, and, you and I both know, yeah, Steelers travel well. And man, yeah. everybody's coming to Vegas, man. They, they travel well. So uh, I agree. I think it's going to be, you know, even though it's a home game, it's going to at, at times, it's going to feel like a road game, and uh, I think it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a tough test for the Raiders. So we'll see what happens.
0: I agree with you, man. There's going to be a lot of black in that stadium, but it uh, might be a little <laughs> more more gold than silver. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Yeah, I hear you. But you know, hey, we all knew that when uh, everybody comes to Vegas. Every, yep. That's. Every time the schedule comes out, everybody looks at that game in Vegas and makes a weekend of it, so uh, that's part of the fun. But as you said, the Steelers fans, the Steelers players, everybody's been great. It should be a great atmosphere in the stadium for Sunday night.
0: All right, brother. Hey, good luck to Lake Mead Christian uh, coming up uh, this weekend, and uh, I'll try to uh, hook up with you at the game on Sunday. Sounds good. Okay. See you then, bud. Take care. There he is. All right. Jay Schrader. And, uh, we miss our food. We, we miss going out, uh, after the Westgate shows and on Fridays. And, uh, you know, Jay's busy, took the athletic director's job. He's doing a fantastic job. Very happy for him. And again, I totally can relate to that. You know, you, you want to coach up, uh, these young athletes and, and be a mentor to these students. And, uh, you still have that passion to do it. Do it. So I'm very, very happy for him that and has to sacrifice a little bit of the radio that he's uh, done with us the last couple of years, especially Fridays. But uh, once football season's over, uh, the high school season's over, he'll get back with us, but uh, very happy for him. All right. Yes. Raiders and the Steelers coming up on Sunday. You know, we're talking about, you know, old school. He gave us a 21-17. That's like as old school score as you can get. I mean, aside from maybe 21-14, I mean, he's come on. Carlson's is going to have a field goal or two in there, something like that. I mean, twenty-one seventeen. But wait a minute. He said twenty-one seventeen. Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't think he gave. I think he said Pittsburgh. He didn't mention a team. He said twenty-one seventeen. But didn't he say that? He said he didn't want to get fired. He said he didn't want to get fired I for it. I think that. I think he's saying Pittsburgh. I think he's saying. I don't know. That's anymore. what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Twenty-one seventeen. I don't know about that. I don't know. Wow, I think he just wants both twenty-one <laughs> So oh, that he's in a pool? He's, the he, he's, pool. he's in that pool. So you know, he, he they're just it's gonna be twenty-one seventeen. He's gonna come on the show Monday and just be like, I won. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a game, man. That that is a a a tough game to handicap. And I know Raider fans are thinking, okay, this is this is our spot. We've been on the road for the first two weeks. Raiders are coming home. Uh, it's not going to feel like a home game, though. The only home part of that is you get to sleep in your own bed, and that's about it. So I'm looking forward to the atmosphere. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, uh, especially with two storied fan bases. I mean, that's it. And both teams have fallen on hard times over the last few years. You know, Pittsburgh still playoffs or knocking on the door playoffs. And I know they, Mike Tomlin, since he's been there, longest tenured. Head coach in the NFL, they have not fallen below 500, but this could be the season they do that. But it's not like, uh, they've been turned in these seasons where, you know, they were 12 and four seasons or, you know, now they went to 17 games, you know, not, uh, you know, 12 and five seasons. Steelers got some work to do and, uh, they need to get things together on offense. It'll be interesting to see what Kenny Pickett does. Is this going to be his breakout game of this season against that Raiders defense? I think that's a, that's a big question mark. And Najee Harris, one of my favorite running backs coming out of Alabama. I, I thought that he would uh, get off to a much better start than what he's shown this season, but the Steelers, you know, pretty much were outplayed in both games. I mean, they got drilled in, in the opener, but then when you look at last week, Against the Cleveland Browns, or actually this week, uh, Monday Night Football. So they got the short rest. Um, they were, they were outplayed, at least from a numbers perspective, from a statistical standpoint. They were, they were outplayed, but they got the job done because their defense forced four turnovers from Deshaun Watson in that Browns, uh, offense. So you had the, f- the, f- the fumbles, you had the interceptions, uh, and very good for my fantasy team. I have the Steelers defense. So there you go. Very yeah, that was nice. Hey, two and in fantasy, so I'm happy about that. Not bad. Not bad. Good ha- have they been crushing wins or are they like Well are but, are you kinda So remember this? Uh remember who my quarterback is, is Josh Allen. So remember what happened week one? Yeah. Yeah. So I won like by two points.
1: Yeah. So okay. okay.
0: Just because my opponent had uh Lamar Jackson, who was just as bad yeah. <laughs> in week one as Josh Allen was. Last week, crush Curtis Blow, crush groove, good job, crush. So there, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But you know, I'm I'm more in tune to to making some money, and then you know, again, doing well in the the super contest and that sort of thing. A good week one, not so much in week two. So hey, it's a long season, but uh, we'll continue to to plug away with that. And you know, Marco and I both. Have entries uh, in the super contest. So we love doing that and at the Westgate of Las Vegas. But uh, more importantly, let's pick some winners this week, starting tonight with the 49ers against the Giants. Not sure I want to lay the 10 or 10.5, 10 but Niners are going to win this game. Doesn't do you any good laying 5-15 the money line. So that's, you know, that's not really, you know, wise, but Niners should win the game, it's a matter of how much, so go to the teaser variety, just find somebody to tease the Niners down with to get that down to 3-3.5, three, three so depend on which book you're going to to see what the lines are, but um it was 10, I think most of the books now have gone to 10.5, but that is your Thursday night football game tonight, the San Francisco 49ers taking on the New York Giants. And I did want to uh, say this, and I know it's been a few days, but I at least want to touch on UNLV's victory Going back to uh last Saturday night, very impressive as they came from behind to beat Vanderbilt. That was a crazy game. UNLV trailed 17 to nothing, and then the Rebels scored 30 unanswered points. Uh Then Vandy scored 13 unanswered, um, and then uh, sent the game into overtime, and UNLV had the game-winning field goal with uh, nine seconds left, a 36-yarder. Given the Rebels a victory over an eight, uh, SEC team, the first time that's happened in many, many years, 40 to 37, the final, and the Rebels now are two and one, uh, with the lone loss being to Michigan, the opening day victory against Bryant, but, um, um, you know, beating Vandy, not a great team, but that was a good victory and happy for Barry Oden. Barry was going to join us today, but they were traveling today, so didn't want to, uh, to do that, uh, to him. But, uh, next up for them is UTEP. All right, Texas El Paso, the miners, they are one and three. They're struggling. They got blown out at Arizona last week, thirty-one to ten. They gave up five hundred and forty-four yards, and then they got beat by Northwestern a couple weeks ago, thirty-eight to seven, where they gave up three ninety-one on the yardage uh, scale there. So UNLV is actually a two and a half point favorite in this game so that's 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 pretty cool really appreciate uh, uh, that and we'll visit with Barry Odom next week and uh, hopefully we're talking about the Rebels being 3-1 and one, and that'd be halfway there to being bull eligible so look forward to that alright again don't forget about the tailgate party at Slice of Vegas $75 all you can eat incredible buffet all your football food favorites the food there is fantastic as you know proud sponsors of the show including you get all you can drink, beer, wine, and well drinks for 75 bucks. Make those reservations. Space is limited. Seven big screen TVs. Watch all the early games. 2 o'clock. It starts at Slice of Vegas. Walk over to Allegiant Stadium from the uh, Mandalay Bay shops right there over the Hacienda Bridge. Reservations are required. 702- 632 6470. 632 6470. Reserve your spot for the Raiders indoor tailgate party. All right. Well, I want to thank uh, Jay Schrader for joining us. Steve Berline on his way to South Bend, Indiana. Appreciate him. And of course, Scott Spritz, our handicapper extraordinaire. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check out our interview with Lincoln Kennedy, previewing the Raiders Steelers game. That's on the website as well. We're back at it tomorrow from the Westgate at 2 o'clock.